This is the Bird Hugger Podcast with Katherine Greenleaf, the podcast for people who love birds. Welcome to the Bird Hugger Podcast. I'm Katherine Greenleaf, and I'm so glad to be with you. I'm on board for a full 30 minutes of talking all things birds and restoring native habitat. What happens when a burnt-out college professor living in New England decides to become a wildlife rescuer and rehabilitator? Find out on Bird Hugger, the podcast for people who love birds. Join host Katherine Greenleaf, who has been rehabilitating injured wildlife for 20 years, and hear how you can turn your backyard into a native oasis for birds. Hello there, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. Spring has finally arrived, and I am itching to get outside and do some gardening, which is why I thought I'd bring our next guest on the show. We're going to talk about how to relocate your native plants when you move to a new home. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you are enjoying this show and like what we do, please help us out by subscribing or following us on your favorite app to access our free show. That way you'll get notified of what's coming, you'll never miss a show, and it will help us in the ratings. The average American moves four to five times over the course of a lifetime. What do you do when you're moving to a new home and you want to take your native plants with you? Especially when the buyer tells you they plan to rip everything up and throw it in the compost heap. To talk about this topic, I'd like to welcome back Marie Chiepo to the show. Marie is a highly accomplished native plant designer and a specialist in sustainable land ownership. Marie, it's so great to have you back. Thank you so much for having me back, Catherine. Well, we had quite a resounding response to your last interview on the show, talking Mm -hmm. about the dilemma of plastic in the horticultural industry. There was a great deal of interest. But I thought today, you know, maybe we could talk about A problem that I'm sure many of our listeners face all the time, which is what do you do when you sell your house and move? Do you take your native plants with you or do you leave them behind? Yeah, so that's a wonderful topic. I wish I had discussed this a few years ago (laughs) because I recently did sell my house and I did have some prep work to take care of. So for us garden lovers, leaving our gardens sometimes, I think, can be a little bit rougher than even leaving our houses. That was at least something to some extent that I experienced. Right. So you've been through it personally. You know what it's like. Yes. Right. Twice. Twice. Okay. Because I'm just imagining, you know, I'm thinking about my yard and my gardens, and we're not planning to sell our house anytime soon, but to think of all those hours of lovingly Mm. planting natives and figuring out their special spots and where they should be you know do they need sun or part sun or shade and kind of helping them get through the initial beginning phases you know when you first transplant your plants I think it would just break my heart to sell a house and just leave it all behind yeah well I'll tell you I definitely went through a year of mourning taking care of my garden I had been there for 24 years, and every time I pruned a shrub, I spoke to it. I gave it a little extra TLC. It did bring tears to my eyes. I won't lie. (laughs) So you talk to your plants, too. (laughs) I do. I thank them. 
I do the same thing. I talk to my plants all the time. It's a big part of the comfort I get from being in the garden. Just, you know, it's my special place. Yes. You were actually very affected by leaving all that behind. Oh my gosh. The second time I moved, I was fortunate a couple of years ago to have purchased the house before I sold the other house. So I did have some time to prepare and it does take quite a bit of planning. Again, I was fortunate to have known where I was going. For people who don't, that would be even harder, I would imagine. Right. So I suppose, you know, if we were to sell our house, my husband and I, mm-hmm. the dream situation would be the people that are buying it would tell us, oh, we love native plants. We're native plant gardeners ourselves. We are going to keep all of your plants exactly where you have them. Right. But that is usually not the case. Well, as a matter of fact, I unfortunately did not have an opportunity to meet the new owners of my home. And what I had started doing was compiling a list of the plants that I had in the garden, their names, their locations, and so forth, with the idea that I was transferring the love and stewardship of these plants to these new owners. And I was sad to learn that they ended up taking most of it out, most of it down. And I have to admit, I was glad that I didn't finish that project because I think it would have made it even harder for me. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah, It took a while before I could even drive by and see it for myself. Wow. I do have to say, I mean, my husband and I have purchased houses. We've moved several times now. And each time we have gone back, which is kind of dicey because you don't know what you're going to see. Right. Inevitably whatever we put in had been yanked out and replaced. I totally hear you on this topic. Yes. And it's kind yeah. of scary. So tell our listeners now for someone who's in the same situation where the new owners may perhaps made it plain through the real estate agent or in some other way that they plan to rip everything out and plant plants that they like. I mean, I think in looking at human psychology, it almost seems to be a prerequisite when you move to a new home to put your own personal stamp on things. And unfortunately, a lot of times it involves the yard and the gardens. Of course, everyone has their favorite plants. And I should add, not everyone in the United States is on board with planting natives. I would say the majority of the gardeners out there are still going to your traditional gardener supply stores or nurseries and buying non-native plants for landscaping. Right. Or cultivars. Cultivars. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the odds I think are pretty good that they probably are going to get, at least some of them are going to be dug up and tossed out in the compost bin. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, I expected some of that. My garden, however, was not just strictly natives. It was used on garden tours because it was a good example of a garden that had non-natives with a majority of natives and how you can incorporate the two and have it look beautiful. So I guess I was sort of tossing it up. I, you know, I thought it was a much better chance that they would keep what was. But I understand what you're saying. I mean, everyone has their own taste and they want to put their own signature, if you will, on their new property. And 
there certainly are, are ways of doing that. I mean, depending on the property that you're purchasing, what is in front of you, sometimes there's nothing, sometimes it's exactly what you want. You know, it really varies. And I think to some people, it's also overwhelming. One thought that occurred to me was perhaps the owners of the property of my house felt overwhelmed by what they had to care for. I don't know, but everyone is different and everyone likes different things. I guess we can just hope that what we have done, they will at least keep some of and then put their signature amongst those plants, if you will. Yeah. Well, I have neighbors who retired couple Mm -hmm. who spent over 20 years creating a one acre meditation garden. Oh my. A Japanese meditation garden with a koi pond and Japanese statues. Yes. It was an all shade garden with a cobblestone path. And you could walk along the path and see, of course, you know, they had non-natives like hosta, shade loving plants like hostas, but it was absolutely gorgeous. I used to Mm -hmm. think of excuses to go over there so I could walk (laughs) in their garden, you know. Yes. They reached that age where they went to assisted living And the first thing the new owner did after buying the house was they ripped out that entire acre of the meditation garden, paved it over with asphalt, and parked two big pickup trucks there. Mm. So I thought my heart was going to break, and I didn't even own the property. Yes, we enjoy one another's gardens, don't we? Yes, we do. That increases the community that way. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through the agony of learning that a lot of your plants have been removed. Don't you think um, it would be great if you could put a real estate listing in the newspaper saying house for sale, but only to native plant lovers? (laughs) Well, it's interesting you say that because I, I had thought at one point of just telling friends that knew people, perhaps, that loved plants But I had moved to my new house and things got a little too crazy, so it didn't end up that way. But I I think that's possibly one way of doing it is to just sort of we have this wonderful social media world now. And perhaps there's someone who's looking to move to that part of the world and they would love to inherit a garden. I was going to say there are historical properties that people own and Mm -hmm. the owners only want other people who love historical properties to buy them. So I see those advertisements quite often, especially on social media like Facebook, saying, you know, we are selling our historical home and we're looking for people who love historic homes to come look at it. So that's one way. So we need to create something for native plant lovers. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So along the same lines where, you know, you're able to attract native plant lovers and have it be a part of a bonus. Well, and I'll tell when you, you're selling the house instead of a so-called detriment, which I think some people look at it as. Of course, yes, yes. And you know, I think for native plant lovers or people who are just learning about natives, one of the biggest obstacles I'm finding is sourcing native plants. And I would think if there was a property that already had beautiful native plants on it, again, it's a subpopulation. It would be like a candy store. (laughs) It would just be so wonderful. It would. It would Um, be fantastic. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So there are people with different likes. And I think what the best thing we can do is prepare 
for what we know. So for example, what I did was I selected certain plants that I knew would transplant well. I looked at the condition of the property that I had just moved to, which was near the ocean. So it was quite different. I had been in more middle New England. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to take as many as I had hoped. But what I did do is I gave them to friends. I said, I'm going to pot them up for you and please take care of them. Please plant them. And my thinking was, and it still is, that they're still alive, just on a different property. And someday, if I perhaps would love to have that plant again, maybe I can take, get a clump of it or divide it or what have you, or get some seeds from it. So it's sort of creating a re- almost a remote seed bank, you know, if you will, for ourselves by doing that. I'm so glad you said that. That is such a great idea to give the plants to friends because before I spoke to you today, I was thinking, you know, about our interview coming up and, you know, what came up for me were some ethical considerations about relocating because, I mean, obviously we're planting native plants, not because they look great. I mean, even though they do look great, but Mm -hmm. we're planting to help pollinators We're planting to draw more insects into the yard and drawing more insects into the yard benefits the birds. Yes. You know, it brings more caterpillars into the yard, which, you know, the birds feed to their babies at nesting time. The native plants that we plant are part of an ecosystem. And when when you remove those, the ecosystem is damaged or impaired. Yes. So I think since we know so many of them are going to be ripped out anyway for the Mm -hmm. most part i think it's safe to say probably in 80 percent of the cases giving them to friends is a wonderful way for them to boost their yards to help pollinators and birds yes absolutely keep those plants alive it's the sort of a way of continuing your legacy as the gardener because you kept those plants alive for years and now you're passing them on to someone that you trust to keep them alive for years more. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Such a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it sort of helped my heart too, you know, especially when I learned that they took everything out. It, I knew that they were somewhere else and some here, but I knew the majority were living elsewhere and they would be well cared for. I do a fair amount of teaching and one thing that I also emphasize to people, and this should apply to people who care about the birds and butterflies or not. I mean, the fact of the matter is our climate is changing and the native plants have this genetic diversity that is more likely going to make help them to survive and to adapt. In terms of drought, they perform much, much better. They don't require the same amount of watering, if any, once they're established. So there are so many reasons. And I don't know, maybe some kind of a a campaign could be started on a micro level that could be a selling point of someone's home by saying, look, you're going to save so much money. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Good point. Plants that take care of themselves, landscapes that take care of themselves. I mean, I can't think of anything better or easier for a homeowner. Right. It's almost like homeowners don't believe you when you say (laughs) (laughs) that natives are low maintenance because they've been trained in school to think of gardens as 
great toil and work and backbreaking digging and oh absolutely so when you try to introduce this concept of native plants as perennials that come back year after year they're resilient mm-hmm. they're strong they can withstand mm-hmm. late frosts in the spring they can withstand early frosts in the fall they can handle drought conditions that non-natives just cannot handle so you're right it, there are just so many benefits just from a landscaping gardening aspect yes would yes recommend natives to a person who is trying to make their property look beautiful right so why don't we switch gears a bit and talk a little bit about the actual mechanics of this what would you tell our listeners who are in the same boat what is the best time to remove natives if you had a choice i mean i know with selling a house sometimes you don't have that big a window time wise but what would be the ideal time to dig them up to relocate them so what i would recommend is the fall Because the soil is warm enough, you're not dealing with the heat of summer or the oncoming heat of summer. So you're giving those plants a good amount of time to get established and not have a lot of transpiration and water loss. That's ideal. Certainly, you can do it in the spring as well. When I did move to my property that I was just referring to, I had moved in July. And what I did was I sort of had to do it fairly quickly and I potted things up and I kept them out of sun, you know, out of the direct sun for a fair amount of time and then kept them moist. I got the beds prepared. Back then we did a lot of digging and tilling, which I don't do anymore. And I tell people not to anymore, but back then that's what we did. So I dug up all this grass and everything. I literally stayed on top of those plants. I gave them some mycorrhizal amendments to stimulate the roots, to help the vessels open up and take the water in much more easily, which helped a great deal. I just literally lived in my garden for the next few weeks, just making sure that they were staying alive and that things were having a chance to establish their roots. So clay containers would be best or is plastic okay? Yeah, I hate to say it. We do have wonderful alternative materials coming out, by the way. Okay. Uh, But the plastic does lose the water much less frequently and much less easily than clay would. But if you have clay, use clay. I mean, the point is to keep it out of direct sun and just to make sure that it's staying moist, not wet, but moist. For the pot, I certainly get as much of the root as I can of the plant. And you want to have a pot that is going to fit the size of of the root. And I take some native soil, I put it into the bottom of the pot, and then I take the plant, put it in the pot, and then surround it with the native soil. Because the idea behind that is I want to keep the microorganisms in the sphere of those roots as much as I possibly can. So you'll want to also keep it moist so that the soil remains aerobic. Then, as I said, I put those in the shade. For plants that I will be planting into the ground, I always advise people to get a soil test so that you know what you're putting your plants into. Typically, it depends on where you live. For example, down here, it's very, I live on Cape Cod, so there's a lot of sand naturally in the soil. 
that was one reason why I couldn't bring some of my plants from Needham, Mass down here. So you want to know what kind of soil you're going to be planting your native plants into as well. And make sure that you have the adequate conditions, obviously including the amount of sunlight and so forth that your plant had been receiving. So you want to match up the conditions as much as you possibly can. And in the new soil, after I've had the soil test done, I will incorporate compost again to help with the soil structure that that plant will be growing in and to start activating you know, the soil microorganisms and helping life grow in the soil that the new plant is going into. Right. Now I have to ask, did you try relocating any shrubs or trees as well, or was it strictly plants? I did relocate some shrubs. And what I did with those was I covered the roots with newspaper, about three or four sheets worth of newspaper and kept that moist, making sure that it was actually hitting the roots, not just being absorbed by the newspaper. Then again, if it's possible to be able to cite where things are going to go before you dig them up, obviously shrubs are more difficult to move than herbaceous material. You want to make it worthwhile that what you're digging up is going to go where you're moving to. And if it is wonderful, same thing, native soil, compost, get your soil tested. There are some shrubs that are more difficult to remove than others. Obviously, you don't want to be moving you know, like a yucca or anything like that. It'll take you about 10 years to take it out. But for the most part, if you get a good distance around the root zone, I would say, depending on the shrub, I would say at least maybe eight, 10 inches away from the crown of the root. And you dig it up, you have some fine roots, you have some good sturdy roots, it should do fine. And there are people that hire tree companies I had a friend who moved down here and she had 30 trees brought down and planted on her property. So that's also an option as well. But again, you just want to make sure you have the conditions, especially with trees that are appropriate for the plant. So let me make sure I understand you. She hired someone to move 30 trees from a property she previously owned to her new property. Yes. Wow. Yes. And do you know, how did they do? Did they thrive in the new place? They did great. She's also, as I call a crazy gardener. So she was on it like Mm -hmm. no one's business and Mm -hmm. they did fine. That's a really good point. So for somebody who is a bit more casual or doesn't feel confident moving large material like that, you really are better off starting fresh on a new property and getting a tree that will be able to establish itself on your own property. It'll be much less hassle and much less expensive as well. I'd like to thank Marie Chiapo for joining us today. You can find out more about Marie and her native design and consulting business by going to ecoplantplans.com. Join Americans everywhere in the One Third for the Birds movement. Dedicate the back third of your yard to birds and other wildlife. Make this area a quiet zone with no leaf blowers or lawnmowers. Plant native trees and shrubs so birds have plenty of insects to eat. Create a safe haven for birds to nest and raise their young. You will be rewarded with many hours of bird watching fun. For more information on One Third for the Birds, go to the Bird Hugger page on Facebook.
And that's it for today's episode, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Have a great week and enjoy the birds. Bye for now. Bye for now.